I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, this and that and filling space and you can too. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 369, Filling Space. There was a weekend, and then a week, and say what? It's the weekend again. I was on the fence about something last weekend, and I decided that even if I was on the fence... I would just do this little thing, which would put me beyond the fence without really deciding to be beyond the fence. You know that sensation, right? You think, oh, I don't want to do this, or I don't feel like doing this thing this week for whatever reason. But even so, I'll do just this little part of it, which would really be doing it right but of course you do have to actually follow through so I was on the fence and I was going to do this thing and then I ended up still not doing this thing at all I don't know where that weekend went or where the whole week in between went say what that's what I keep coming back to say what how can it already be the weekend again and this weekend also is almost over I think it has something to do with the delay ultimately in this show And I was feeling bad about it. I kept going, say what? But I'm not feeling bad about it now because I think this show is worth it. This episode, I think today's show is worth it. This show started out as one that probably would have been really short. And now I think it is something entirely different, something more. I will tell you up front that there is a prompt in this show. It will be at the end. So even if you get tired of listening to me ramble, stick around or tune back in for the guided drawing moment near the end. I think you'll enjoy it. And it's cheaper than a yoga class, time on someone's couch, or even a coffee. All of those things might be good too. Actually, I would recommend the cup of coffee along with the show and along with the drawing exercise, but from the kitchen is totally fine. Your kitchen coffee is absolutely good enough for me. I was listening to a podcast in the car this week, two hosts, and there is such a difference in pacing with a back and forth. I've mentioned this before, the conversational kind of show, and I was driving along and envisioning talking to myself, the back and forth of it, what that would sound like. Could I record a show in which it sounds like a conversation? Me and me. No kidding. I really went down that path in my head. Thoughts of someone coming unglued? Maybe. We're having another mini heat wave. And when I say mini, they really are mini. It might be one day, it might be two, it might be three, but they're very short. And yet it's really hard to explain. You have to be here to understand why these little bouts of heat seem to be worse than they sound. 
it does zap the life out of things for sure. My mom was here this summer during one of these. And for the first time, she really got it that we're not just being wimpy or hyperbolic, melodramatic when we complain. We are actually wilting. Anyone can live where it's hot if you have air conditioning. So today, I was all set to say a really short show. I'm not so sure it's going to be short now. A really short one. I really was ready to say that. But today, a bit of a catch-all, a spilltide, that beautiful word of mine that I love. It really sums something up for me and about me. Spilltide. I heard about the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows recently, and after hearing about it, has a great title. After hearing about it, I then went and watched the TED Talk with the author. It's enchanting. The whole thing is enchanting, really. This is someone I understand. And I understood the person I heard talking about him, sharing him and his site with a different podcast host. You have to go spend time here. You have to see this project. The generosity of that kind of sharing, not the claiming of self, the genuine sharing of someone else or something else, a thread of inspiration we could all do with a bit more of that generosity in our offerings to others. Today, when I pulled up the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, the website, so that I could get the URL for the show notes, I saw the word Mitting. Mitting. It's defined as a verb. Feeling the tranquil pleasure of being near a gathering, but not quite in it. Hovering on the perimeter of a campfire. Chatting outside a party while others dance inside. Resting your head in the backseat of a car, listening to your friends chatting up front. Feeling blissfully invisible, yet still fully included. Safe in the knowledge that everyone is together and everyone is okay with all the thrill of being there without the burden of having to be. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. It's an elusive one, though. You have to be in just the right moment to find that comfortable knitting rather than just feeling awkwardly outside of it, right? His description, his definition is so clear, so evocative, that it's definitely a state of being, yes, but elusive. I'll post a nice little video on another word that's highlighted on his site right now, one that I think you'll all understand. It's called Mori. I just finished reading the Steve Jobs graphic novel. It's Steve Jobs' Insanely Great a graphic biography by Jesse Hartland, and I loved it. It was an absolutely delightful and fascinating read, and I heard about it from Sherilyn in the Facebook group. Most of this history I didn't know, so I was completely hooked in reading it. It wasn't until I finished and was reading the author's bio at the back that I realized that Hartland also wrote and illustrated a book on Julia Child that I talked about a few years back. And I loved that book. I loved it so much. I hope you'll check out this book on jobs, the other book on child, and the podcast episode two about that, which was episode 203. I tried to get both of my kids to read this biography of jobs in recent weeks. 
I am the only one that did. And I'm really glad that I did. I mostly read it sitting in the car on one or two days while I was waiting for something. This is wonderfully done. It's super accessible. It's really enlightening. There were sections and moments where I laughed out loud. I surprised myself. It's true. I've been talking to myself out loud, too. I am understanding that in all too real ways. And no, I don't live alone. But the texture is so different now. So quiet. I snapped a few pictures as I read through this book, wanting to share them with my kids. If they're not going to read it, I thought I should at least show them these few pages that I found really funny or really relatable or somehow made so much sense with the kind of kids I have. I wish they would have just read it. Our kids grow up and beyond. One of the most profound pieces I read in this time, and it was several weeks ago, that gave me the words that I needed was a piece about the shift to spectator and the loss of access. The word spectator is one that really has lodged for me. So powerful. Have you ever heard of Margaret Atwood? My youngest asked me when he got in the car the other day. And I say my youngest, but he's not really all that young. He's a sophomore in high school. Why, yes, yes, I have. (laughs) I didn't say it like that, but yes, I have. How to have it make sense to him that I read The Handmaid's Tale years and years ago that I was building my dissertation around Atwood and other authors like her. He listened to me, but I doubted at the time that he really heard me. Yes, yes, I know who she is. And yes, I am really glad that he has a chance to attend a talk she's giving next week. I hope it works out. I hope what he thinks is happening is what really happens. He is TAing for a teacher and... As a result, he spends his lunch period every day in the English teacher's lounge, which is a very coveted fly-on-the-wall moment, I think, and pretty much all-around awesome. And yes, he may have stoically ordered his coffee black when the teacher offered to pick up a coffee for him recently. Pretty funny moment. But he was quick to say yes when offered the chance to see Atwood. Do you want me to see if you can go with me? He asked the other night, completely out of the blue. So maybe he did hear me. Who knows? And yes, yes, do that. Of course, that's my inner voice because no, no, of course not. That's okay. It's a sold out event. It's a pretty big event, actually. I will be sitting there in the car waiting for him when he gets done. I'll probably talk to myself while I wait, too. Talking to ourselves We grow up seeing it as something older people do, right? Older people do that. And now suddenly it is frighteningly natural. Not the, why did I do that? Not that. We all do that. We all do that in certain moments. But kind of all the time now. I walk to the table where I sew, which is completely covered also is a deterrent to getting anything done or really even wanting to. And I pulled a few random scraps. I've been working intuitively on a different project, pulling colors that feel right, that fit my mood, my thinking, the me of the moment. I'm just letting that happen and not putting any constraints on what I'm doing there. 
But on this day, those pieces were already laying there. They're in process. It's just an ongoing thing. But I walked over and something else caught my eye and I pulled it out and then I pulled something else out and thought, yeah, I like that with it. And I just kind of kept going and I watched myself just lay out these pieces and I smiled, but I didn't just smile. I said out loud, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. And it's going to be orange. I just need to do it. I need to just do it in orange. Although I've worked with a ton of orange over the years, a color that I probably never would have used before I started sewing with opal, it was still a surprise that day to say that, to both grab those colors and then to say, yeah, that's exactly right for right now. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that answer. I didn't expect the orange of it. And was it a surprise to say it out loud? I don't know. Maybe. It is slightly disconcerting. Maybe when you talk to yourself out loud at home, it's fine. But if that gradually slides into what happens at the grocery, I guess it's a problem. I'm really joking. I'm really tongue-in-cheek, and you probably can't necessarily tell the difference. Yes, I have said these things out loud. Am I worried? No, I'm really not. Do I think it's something only people of a certain age do? Of course not. And I'm hoping, too, that I've made you smile or laugh or nod your head or say something out loud to yourself. A little yellow post-it fell out of a book yesterday. I had picked syllabus up again by Linda Berry. I've been carrying it around with me for all of the approaching 50 weeks so far. I started looking at it again, a library copy at the very beginning of this year, this birthday year. And then I finally, after searching and searching and searching, I finally found my own copy. And so I've been carrying it around. I plan to really just go through it again for a variety of reasons. And this note fell out and I picked the note up off the floor and I know it's a new note. I know I just left these notes recently and I unfolded it where it had been bent. I don't do this, it said, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think this is underlined. I don't do this. That's important. It's important if you know what this is. Because, of course, since it was in that book, whatever this is, whatever it refers to, whatever it is that I don't do and that struck me enough or that I was honest enough to make a note about is almost certainly something that I probably should do. Something that I was citing as a difference. A note to self, hey, you don't do this. And maybe that is a problem something you should change, something to think about. Now true, maybe the note should have said, I need to do this. But I am a student of deconstructionist thinking. I think in terms of what is not, what is not there, what is missing, what is not said. And whoa, my whole life view in a nutshell. So it says, I don't do this. And I really wish I knew what page that had fallen from. I feel like I'm going to have to start all over and go back through. And I wonder if it will strike me again. I wonder if the same whatever, whether it was a note or a passage or an image, some kind of little side note, I wonder if it will strike me and I'll say, oh, that was it. That's what I read that I don't do. I wonder. 
I am always trying to be better organized and always falling short, but I do try. I do try. I consider it an ever-evolving thing. There's several new things in process that I feel like are very good and strong steps in terms of organization and documentation. And then other things happen, like the note falling out of the book. Now, the leaving of the note, see that is actually a really good thing. The leaving of the note. Yeah, you know, long ago, my annotation would have just been in a book. But I thought these post-it notes would be a good idea. So what this does mean is that often I get to rediscover things as if for the first time sometimes. I am going to give you a prompt today. I am. But before that, an inky story, the foibles of a creative life. I think you will laugh with me at this moment. I have been doing the hashtag 30 inks, 30 days challenge. And I am, I admit, wishing it was over. And I was ready to say that last week had I recorded this show. So now it's been another week and I am wishing it was over. What possessed me to do a challenge that is so finicky and so tiny? I don't know. I just don't know. The tiny, of course, is my own doing. Yes, I drew the boxes and I decided to do this in that little book. The finicky is related to the need to clean the pen each day and fill with a different ink and try to use up as much of that ink as I can to minimize the waste and then clean the pen out again and start all over every single day. Okay, that's not the kind of fountain pen person I am. I am so sorry, people. That is not the kind of fountain pen person that I am. I like to fill my pen up with black ink and use it. Period. So... This is really finicky. I don't like to have to clean it out every day. I really don't. It's so tedious. So what possessed me? Well, probably the plastic box full of ink samples. It seemed to make a lot of sense. It's a great way to try them and to use them. Really, it is perfect for this. And maybe if I hadn't used the tiny book... I'd be so much happier and I'd probably be able to see the colors better. But it's so, so, so tedious. Shifting ink colors this fast feels a bit like whiplash to me. I am not getting enough of a sense, sadly, to really tell how these things play out. Partly that's because of the very small size and the very fine pen that I'm using, the fine nib, which I have to use in order to even begin to draw in the very small book. You see, this is a a really a circuitous thing for me, right? It's so tedious. It's so tedious. And I wish that if I was going to do this, I could have gone through the rainbow. See, that's what I thought initially. I thought, oh, I have all these inks. I'll line it up. I'll do this great. Roy G. Biv through the rainbow for the 30 days. That's going to be so pretty. And I kind of started out that way. I did some reds. I did some oranges and the oranges were so incredibly hard for me to get ink on the page in that little box. I couldn't get the flow. I couldn't draw my pictures. I was so frustrated. And then I shifted to some greens and some purples actually. And together, all of it, it just made me kind of sad when I used the ink in my journal. So I was like, oh no, I can't linger here. And I don't have hardly any greens anyway. So then I went ahead and went to blue. So I'm way overbalanced now. I have a lot of blue and I'm actually probably going to shift to black for the last few days. So 
I definitely didn't get a good Roy G. Bev. If I ever do this again, that would be super fun to do if I had enough colors. And definitely don't stick me into this tiny journal again. I have seen some excellent projects people are doing with 30 inks, 30 days, some beautiful work. Someone I posted in my Instagram stories recently who's doing, she does, it's basically an alphabet that she's doodling or tangling around and they are gorgeous. They are absolutely gorgeous. So I have found it super inspiring to see what other people are doing. And I've definitely snapped screenshots of some of the inks that I think, oh, that is so pretty. But I don't know for sure how well colored inks fit me. I'm still trying to make my peace with it. I'm trying to get used to the colored ink in my Approaching 50 journal with black. And I have realized that some colors work better for me. They make me feel a different way. And that others kind of fall flat for me. They bring it down somehow. So it has been interesting. It has been interesting. I did want that Roy G. Biv, though, that lovely progression of color that would hit all the notes. It would just sing. It just wasn't possible. I'm doing these at night. The photos are bad. They're in bad light. Drawing in this tiny box feels, I don't know. Oh, I'll be so glad when it's over. But I've been sticking with it. The reds, magentas, those were happy. I really like using orange in my sketchbook, but it wasn't good in the tiny book. I'm seeing how some inks are a real struggle to work with to get them to flow, especially when I do need to work in the tiny spaces. And partly that is because I use a small or fine nib. The oranges, more so than any color, were really hard. And that was sort of sad because I was hopeful. There have been one or two inks that have flowed really well. At the time, I've noticed it. My documentation has not been super great. But every day I think I am not sure if I will stick it out. And as I shifted to greens, I started getting ink everywhere. Somehow the process, which is tedious and finicky to begin with, became even more messy. I don't know what it is, but somehow that happened with the greens. And there were smudges in my journal, which, oh, it's a deal breaker for me, people. That was really sad to see. Really have to wrap my head every time I open that page and see those smudges. That didn't happen with the other colors. And the first one appeared one night, and then the next night, another shade of green, same thing. And then very late, I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth, and I looked up at myself in the mirror, only to find I had green ink smudged all between my nose and my lips. A turquoise teal shade of blue-green that gave me quite a sickly tinge indeed. So luckily, the colored inks are mostly not permanent. They're not permanent, but that's not quite the same as saying, oh, they just wash away. They do stain skin quite a bit. I've got ink-colored fingers day to day, and the blues do seem to last a while. So that's my inky tale for you. Oh, it's also a recap of 30 inks, 30 days, I guess. But it's also a reminder to make sure you check in the mirror before you go anywhere. If you're an ink user, make sure you double check. There are probably other things you also double check. Make sure you also check for ink on your face. So a bit of a prompt for you today. I planned on recording this last weekend, as I've already said. 
And it was going to be really the show. And now other things have come up that segue with this really unexpectedly. I posted a quick cartoon panel in the Facebook group this weekend about my thoughts on Inktober. And I'm not sure I'm doing Inktober, but I totally support everyone who is. And I think it's a wonderful challenge, especially when you really need to work on making daily drawing a habit or when your primary medium is something very different and you really want to get some new comfort level with ink or want to explore ink or see what ink is all about. I do have some mixed thoughts. I had something planned. I'm not sure I'm going to do it. Although as soon as I say all this out loud, who knows, I may roll into October 1 doing exactly what I thought I would do and what everyone expects me to do. I just don't know. I just don't know. But when I hashed all this out in a cartoon way, I kind of realized that some of the other things I am doing and I've been thinking and working on and that all tie in with this approaching 50 sketchbook, illustrated sketchbook, visual journal thing that I'm doing and with a lot of the deep diving I'm kind of doing into cartooning. And I thought, you know, everything I do is ink. And maybe I should just approach this differently and not feel like I need to be part of that big huge sprawling Inktober thing this time, but instead do this different 30 days. And maybe there are a few people who might want to do this with me who would also benefit from this kind of small group format. And I don't think that part's going to happen. I don't think I have any takers on that. And that's okay. I do think that I might have talked myself into something, might have clarified something for myself. I don't know. I don't know. I am still waffling, but doing that quick cartoon panel was really important. I've been doing a lot more of that just as part of my journaling, part of my day-to-day documentation, and it's really important to me. I wish there was this app where we could swipe right and left and find a creative friend looking for an XYZ project. Wouldn't that make life easier for some of us? Hey, would you just like to do this for 30 days? Or hey, how about we just meet up this way once a week and we show what we've done? Like I said, I've been keeping up with the ink challenge, although I'm ready for it to be over. But I feel like my visual journal is in a little bit of a slump. It's not stalled. It's just not as effusive. I am not as effusive in it. And by effusive, I mean prolific as I think I started out. I am definitely keeping up with my weekly coffee cups and my self-portraits. The self-portraits being the for sure thing each week, which I talked about in a different show. I just finished week 13 of my year. And last week, at the end of week 12, I stopped and took stock of where I am. And I put together, well, I took stock of where I am. I counted up how many things on my list I've actually done and looked at how many things I have started because not everything is something I can just do in one day or one weekend. So I looked at that and then I rounded up all the self-portraits and all the cup drawings and just kind of gave myself the chance to look at it all, look at the volume of it, the body of it. I put together and shared a grid of self-portraits, nine out of the 12, because nine made a nice and easy grid, 
it's a bit of a bookmark on the year to sort of stop and look at it this way. And then I also put together this bigger grid with the coffee cups, which are in all assorted formats and the selfies. And it's just so real when you see it that way. There's 25 in that grid. It's so real, so satisfying to do that. I'm not sure that I shared that outside of a very small group. I know I shared the nine selfies. It's so satisfying. It really is. And it's so real. And somehow it's also so vulnerable. Even when I build the house, I find that there isn't always really room for me. I still have this really strong sense of vulnerability because it is very difficult to share into silence. And that is something I think about often. And I think about it as I observe how things happen in groups and how things happen in small groups versus big groups versus streams like Instagram. So I'm aware that my momentum has slowed down in my visual journal. I'm on track week to week, but there's just a slightly different feeling. There's a slightly different energy level. I'm still moving just less than expected. And one of the ways I have kept moving is with filling space, something that has so much mindfulness built into it. Filling boxes is something I often do anyway. It is something I do when I make notes during my staff meetings. I do it as a way of testing ink. It's something that was really important with ballpoint as a way of looking at values and at the gradient. I fill boxes. I fill boxes with hatching, layers of hatching, variable layers of hatching, always. But in recent weeks, I've filled circles. It's not an innate shape for me. That's my gut instinct is it's not an innate shape. And at the same time, the bullseye and the spiral are both really important motifs for me. So my gut reaction is to say, no, I'm more squares than circles. Mm. I think that is true, but it's maybe not as diametrically uh, opposite as I might think of it. So it's true. I'm more squares than circles, but circles clearly have their place. In sifting through a pile of kid papers, because they seriously just piled a year's worth of papers in stacks and left them, and pretty much they carried that year's worth of papers in their backpacks. It's beyond me. In sifting through one of those, I found a high school ring order form that I never heard about. It didn't get mentioned at the time. And the ring sizing template. And that's something to throw out, right? Unless... You look at that plastic thing with its varying sizes of circles and think, stencil? And yes, yes, I did. So one night after my tiny ink portrait was done, so I did the tiny ink portrait and the corresponding grid portrait, which is slightly bigger, in my journal. After that, I took a pen and I drew a bunch of those circles on another page. And then I took the fountain pen that I had just finished using because I am trying to use up as much ink as I can. And I just started filling these circles in, simple lines, parallel lines, hatching, a way that I do. It's called a veil when you work in ballpoint. And my room is dark at night. I'm having eye issues that make it complicated anyway to draw. It complicates most things that I'm trying to do by the end of each day. I just filled these circles. I wasn't worried about perfection. I didn't care if my lines overlapped. That wasn't at all the point. The point was just filling line by line. I randomly filled in these circles. And 
I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the quiet of filling. And I guess it's more accurate to say I fell in love again with filling space because I come back to this over and over and over. I come back to this and more and more and more, I understand the importance of whatever it takes for you to quiet your mind, to feel mindful, to feel productive, even if it's not drawing some full-size portrait or painting some giant landscape or this or that or participating in the race of it all. The quiet of it more and more. I appreciate it. I understand it. I understand what I get from it and how it works for me. And I am embracing it more and more. The quiet of filling. The way I could watch the ink glide across the small space, the smoothness of the ink on paper. And then when I went to draw my self-portrait that week, I just drew right over top of all those circles. And I loved it. The layering of it all. It makes me so happy. It is not dissimilar to the layering that you might do with paint or with collage or layers of stenciling, or spraying, or stamping, or just changing color. But with just ink on a page, it brought new dimension to the page for me. It isn't always that easy or that straightforward to figure out how to layer with ink, how to get a background that can come through your drawing. And this approach was perfect. It was perfect. So it brought new dimension and I am sinking into the idea of this. I feel sort of silly now when I draw a new page of circles. It's a little repetitive, maybe, but there's something to it. And there are favorite words of mine, some of the most special words, most coveted words. And this process lingers on those in my head. It is sad that... My most special words are ones I'm not even going to say out loud. I treasure them. And someday I plan to use them. Let's get back to circles and squares, right? See, we need to quiet all of that. We need to just move beyond it. Forget about it. Circles and squares. Filling space. It's probably as eternal and ancient as cave paintings. And you can probably find a thousand blog posts and podcasts and Instagram posts and tweets that are related. We can all fill space at its most essential. If there's nothing else that you can anchor your creative self on, you can fill space. You can fill pages and pages and books and books with lines Wow, that sounds so tempting to me sometimes. It's calming. So I want you to try it. I want you to try it. I was going to do this at the same time. But I am not set up to do that. I'm really not. Don't have everything in front of me. I could do it that way. Maybe I'll do it that way as a separate a little show. We'll see. So Maybe you'll get a bonus. I want you to try it. So pause this until you have what you need. Or you can listen now. And then come back later and listen again. Do it that way. What do you need? Paper, your journal or an envelope or a piece of paper, whatever. And a pen. Something that writes smoothly. And probably something with, you know, a medium to fine nib. You could use anything, but I think you'll 
get more satisfaction out of the small space with a smaller nib, pen, point, whatever. For the show, I'm going to do squares, not circles, because I have the sense some of you will get way too caught up if your circles are not perfect, if you just treat a freehand, your circles. Freehanding squares, they're not going to be perfect either, but I think you'll probably be able to go, oh, that's okay. And that's what we want. Just, oh, it's okay. It's okay. So you don't need anything to trace. You don't need a ruler. Wow, I'm having issues with rulers. You don't need a ruler. No templates. If you want to use a stencil because you happen to have it to trace around or you want to do a different shape and you have that kind of stencil, then great, go for it. It's just not necessary. I'm all about making do, making creative happiness (laughs) in really simplified ways. So if you just want to listen along, that's okay. But let's do squares. On your paper, draw a square. So maybe a half inch. That sounds really small. Maybe a half inch, maybe three quarters, maybe an inch. I would suggest you start small because filling small space is easier and you'll get to see the range of these as they grow. So three quarters of an inch, maybe draw one, then draw another. Draw it right next to the first one with a gutter in between, like a grid. Or you can draw your second one somewhere else, not aligned. That's totally fine. It can be in proximity or in a different part of your page. It doesn't matter. You can draw it the same size, or you can draw it slightly bigger or smaller. And then draw another. And keep drawing these loose squares until you have seven to ten of them just to start. Depending on the size, you might end up with more. You might want to go back later. Seven to ten will at least let you try this out and see how it feels. Now, go back to each square with your pen one at a time. Just work on one one square. That's it. Just you and the one square. But having the other blank squares on the page gives you a sense of what's coming. So it's very different to just draw the one square and fill it in and then draw a second square. I really like having, you know, a dozen squares or circles on the page and knowing that whatever happens in this one square, it's fine. Then I'm going to move on to another one. This one square is not the end all of anything. It's just one square. Fill it in with lines or marks. To get you started for the first one, just make parallel lines. Start at one edge and go all the way across. Lift your pen, go back to the beginning, to the starting edge, and do it again. And you want to try and make your lines close together. How close is up to you. One by one, draw your lines across the square until it's filled. Then move on to the next square. And you could fill it the same way. Or you could make your parallel lines closer together this time or farther apart. Or you could rotate your parallel lines. So if you did horizontal lines the first time, you might go vertical this time or diagonal. Or You can make your first set of lines and then go over them with another set of perpendicular lines. So cross hatching, but maintaining that deliberate line marking, doing it slow, not so slow that it's like, oh, but you know, deliberately you start, put your pen down and you go across. There's a smoothness to it and a flow to it, but it's not a race. You're not going to scribble your way back. You're going to lift your pen you're going to do it again. This is how I hatch anyway. I don't consider it super slow, but I do lift my pen and I go back to the beginning always. 
And then you move on to your third square. Maybe your lines are only partially across the space. What happens when you go halfway? Or what happens when they are variable in length? Or maybe you start with a zigzag and you echo that. Or maybe you use a curve like a rainbow and your other lines echo that. Maybe you fill in the space with circles. Or maybe you do a spiral starting at the center. Or a Greek key or a log cabin formation starting at the center. Maybe you stipple the space. Maybe you break it in half and you do something in one half and something different in the other. Or maybe you only do half. Or maybe in this square, you only do a quarter. Maybe you layer your parallel lines three or four times. You work on building up tone as a comparison to the others. Just fill in the boxes one by one. And pay attention to how it feels. And slow down and just focus on those lines as they move across the page, across the space. Does it calm you? Does it quiet something for you? When you are done, you probably have a set of beautiful squares. They are beautiful on their own, no matter what pen you used. But what happens if you take another pen, maybe a darker one or one with a thicker nib, or even a marker or a marker in a different color, and you write across the page. You might write just in the blank spaces in and around your squares, or you might write over the top of them, the squares becoming a background of sorts. You don't know what to write? Hmm, that shouldn't stop you. Complete this sentence. Today, I feel that. Or make it a gratitude. I am grateful for. Or... Let your wish fall to the page. I wish that. Or I believe, or I know, or I can, or I will. It can be anything. Or maybe you don't want to write, you don't want to draw. Maybe you just need to outline more squares or circles and fill them in. You can do this in minutes or in longer stretches. You can do it on the plane, on a train, on a bus, or while sitting at pickup. You can fill space in the parking lot before you go in for groceries. Those few moments before you go in to do your shopping are moments you should take advantage of. If you say, I don't have five minutes in my day, it's right there. Just sit there in your car with your little sketchbook or your little journal, your little field note, whatever it is. You can draw the car in front of you or the tree in front of you or the man standing there playing accordion or you can fill a square. Five minutes. You can even set a timer. You have these minutes. You can do this from a waiting room or from a bedside. You can do it while you watch TV. Filling space. It's a big part of my aesthetic. I know that. And I am understanding, too, that it's a powerful tool in my toolbox for creative self-care, for mindfulness, for calming my thoughts, for staving off the quiet. I hope you give it a try. I am the art. The art is me. So, as expected, today was way long. I thought it was going to be way short, and then I knew it wasn't going to be way short, and now it's way long. And I kind of look at this and my heart sinks because I have to edit it. And if it's even relatively long for you, it probably takes me, I don't know, two to three times that much more to edit it. So, ugh, I'm looking ahead to what that's going to take. 
There is a reason I go with really short shows these days. And I could have pulled out the prompt all by itself. Maybe, maybe I should have. I'd actually really like to do prompts. I used to do prompts. I used to do a lot of prompts. Oh, we used to do a lot of things. So I appreciate you listening. I applaud you if you took some paper and a pen and, you know, fill the square. Is it going to change your life? Maybe not. But it might for somebody. Maybe not. But it might for somebody. And, you know, that chance is good enough for me. That chance. So I appreciate you listening. I appreciate that you listened all the way through if you did. I appreciate that you probably laughed out loud at me talking to myself. I appreciate the fact that you're here and that you pull this show up when it's available. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. I usually provide additional information there. I don't put a whole transcript of my show But I do tend to give a summary and additional links to things I've talked about, like any books I mentioned or the video that I mentioned or the other website I mentioned. So do check out the site. If you use things like Trello or Moo or Shop at Amazon, there are, of course, affiliate links on the site. All of those are helpful. I'm a big Trello user and... I really hope to put together some information for all of you at some point soon about ways you can use Trello. But if you want to give it a try, start with my link. I'd really appreciate it. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. I will be doing something in October that uses ink every day. And I don't know how shareable it will be. That is unfortunately a really problematic part of this for me. Special thank you to those of you who support the CMP at Patreon. Your support there makes a huge difference to whether or not I am able to do this show. The time it takes. Time that maybe should be channeled into other things that can make a difference. So I really appreciate those of you who are there and who believe in the show and believe in what I'm doing. And those of you who keep giving me nudges and feedback and encouragement. I really appreciate it. That is patreon.com slash creativity matters. And a word for today, the word for today, I made a note of it this time. I don't believe I saw the word for the last show anywhere. Yeah, I didn't. The word for today is bullseye. It did come up in the show. And so that's what I'm going to go with bullseye. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a great week, everyone.